Welcome to Real Creative Leadership, a place where creative leaders can find insights and practical guidance on the day-to-day job of being a creative leader. We focus on real issues, topics, and insights of creativity in the business world. Join me as we explore the best strategies for developing your team, getting others to embrace your vision, and generating amazing experiences. This webinar series is produced by The Stoke Group. I'm your host, Adam Morgan, Adobe Executive Creative Director and author of Sorry Spock Emotions Drive Business. And this is Real Creative Leadership. So today we're going to talk about why do creative directors need to care about data. I'm going to start with a story first that describes at least some context of this. So years ago, I was at a a marketing conference and there was a presentation and and the person who was presenting was a very prominent leader of president of, of an agency. And it's, it was a big creative agency. And I'm not going to name names because I don't want to bring any attention to him. But he was up there presenting and it was great. And they were sh- he was sharing, here's all the cool, you know, creative and TV spots and campaigns that we've created in the last year. And then he got to this Q&A session. And there was a guy at the back who was an agency owner and just brought up, you know, raised his hand and asked the question, all right, so data is exploding. We're having to measure everything tell us how you use data to help improve your ideas. Like we're curious of like how we can blend those two two things, which is funny because that's the topic of today. But the way that the the guy who was presenting responded was so interesting. He, you know, he went into the whole thing. He's like, what are you talking about data? It's all about creativity. It's all about the idea. It's all about, you know, researching and thinking about the idea and really connecting with, with people and all you people in the metrics crap, you just need to go sit back down and not worry about that. And of course that was a shocking answer. Everyone in the audience was like, what, you know, what gives like, it kind of works together. Like, how do you do it? And, and they got in this argument. It was so funny to see like the guy at the back of the room and then this agency owner at the front going back and forth. And finally the guy up front just like, you just don't get it. This is just the wrong audience. You guys are all, you know, like the data heads, like this is just the wrong audience. You don't get real creativity. And afterwards I spoke with them and even the, the agency owner. And he was like, no, I wasn't trying to push his hot buttons. I was just really trying to get at, you know, how do you connect the two? Cause again, I think that they're really, we're going to talk about how they're totally connected. But what that illustrates is it's an old school mentality. I know growing up, at least for me in the agency world in the 90s, you know, data and metrics, it was, you know, focus groups. And, and I agreed, you know, to a certain extent, whenever we try and test creative and, and put a number on it, it's really inauthentic and, and it needs to be organic. But at the same time, there's just this, it's this old school mentality that, that data is going to ruin our creativity, that data is going to hurt our, you know, blue sky chance of, of coming up with ideas. And I don't think that's true. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but I wanted to set the stage with it because here's the truth. It, they don't have to be enemies. Um, like I said, many, you know, creative directors respond with anti-data, anti-this, or even not even that. Maybe they're just oblivious to it. Maybe a lot of creative directors are like, whatever, that's what the account people do, or that's what the strategists do. They just tell me, you know, and then when it's time, I'm just going to create a, a thing. Right. But it's really to your disservice if you don't understand, like, especially as a creative leader, you, we've, we've got to move beyond that. You really have to understand what data, and there's a lot of different types. We're going to talk about it in a minute of the different types of data, but find the right data and use the right data and, uh, to, to improve and, and help your, uh, your creative. The truth is, some of you know, but I, you know, I wrote a whole book called Sorry Spock Emotions Drive Business, and it was all about my research for five years of trying to find out, you know, prove, how do I prove the value of creativity? And a big part of that is like that balance of art and science, right? You, you can't live with just one. We can't just go all in on creativity and you can't just go all in with data and logic. 
it really is the balance of both those things. And I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that part of, or the book today, but just know like they are not mutually exclusive. And I could give you a lot of, of proof to show why they're so in, they're so integrated. This next thing I want to talk about is constraints. So if you, you know, we've often talked about it in the creative pursuits that, you know, you, Blue sky, no constraints, no limits is actually really hard. There's, a, there's an awesome story from Frank Gehry where, you know, he was talking about his greatest challenge of his whole life. And he's, you know, a famous architect. But he said, and I'm going to read this quote, <clears throat> when he had a house that he had to design with zero constraints, constraints, he said, I had a horrible time with it. I had to look into the mirror a lot. Who am I? Why am I doing this? What is this all about? It's better to have some problem to work on. I think we turn those constraints into action. So really that's it. We have to put a box like any creative brief that you've ever had. I know for me, I've had a few creative briefs where there are no constraints. It's like, do whatever you want. And it's worse because if you really think about the structure of creativity and coming up with new ideas, it's really saying, what am I working with? And then how do I overlay some new idea or cross tabulate some new thought or, you know, brainstorm some other little thing where I'm connecting two things. I think concepting an idea generation is all about new connections. That's really what it comes down to. And you can't make connections if it's only coming from one side, you really need both sides. So the answer is we need to embrace data and insights. Like we need to create those boxes. And I'm gonna talk about what data helps us put good limits on there and insights that help create good ideas and better ideas rather than looking at data as just a constraint and a problem and something that's frustrating you. There's another great story. Uh, this comes from Paul Zak. He's the father of neuroeconomics and he was using data to help creative experiences. Let me just give you a little bit of backstory. So he was on a plane watching a movie and he realized like he was really emotionally connected to this movie. And afterwards, it, you know, it was about a certain cause. He would have given all sorts of money. So he went back to his lab and thought, how do I figure out how we understand, you know, what's going on in the human brain as to what motivates people to actually give money? Um, and so it's not that I'm trying to say like, we need to hook up all of your customers to an EKG machine and try and figure out what's going on in their brain. But there's some good lessons we can learn from that study in terms of how we embrace data and how we create experiences that therefore move the business needle. So this is his formula. He came up with this idea of like, there are two things that need to be present in order for you to have action. And that's attention and emotion. Attention, he figured that out by like sweat glands and heart rate to see if people were paying attention to the thing. And then he had to figure out how do we actually measure emotion in people. And we found out it was, it was the vagus nerve and that helps produce oxytocin. And so he could see the levels of oxytocin in patients, or, or sorry, in customers when they were watching the different experiences. But we found out and he could guess up to like an 82% accuracy if these certain th thresholds were hit in the lab that people would give, people would uh, take action. And so while we can't hook everyone up to a machine, what we can learn is this. We can follow this formula. We can say, okay, do we have attention? Which means, is there an anomaly? Is there something unusual? So if we created an insight or something from the data that helps us understand that customer and really know what they're thinking about. So once we have that anomaly, that insight, then we can capture their attention because that's something unique. And then the next step is we just need to wrap it in emotion. Like we need to create experiences that really tug at those emotional strings, not just like, sappy emotional strings, but it could be humor or inspiration or insight, whatever that is, wrap up that anomaly with that emotion. And that's like a powerful, powerful combination to create experiences that drive to action or that drive to people spending money on your, on your products and services. Once you figure out, you know them, you find the insights, create the content. And then the last step is measure and adjust. So this is where that difference of, of this is the type of data that's just gonna help you make marginal improvements on your creative ideas. And it's not measuring the value of creativity. So let's be very clear on that. 
there's going to be a whole separate session that we're going to have on how do you measure creative, creative ideas rather than focus groups or surveys or whatever it may be. We're going to talk about that. And, and there's a new model, I think, for that. But at this point, it's just really understanding, you know, there certainly are going to be things like this is A-B testing or this is like once you've put your stuff out into the world, how do I make it a little bit better? Do I change the button? Do I change this and that? You know, your UX or, or maybe some of the ideas aren't resonating. That's this step. So, you know, in the past, we've gotten really lucky where we just send something out in the world and it either works or it doesn't. Today, we have a lot more um, help from different sources of, of tracking and measurement that actually help us get back on track. But again, I want you to remember to separate those two different chunks of data. There's data that helps us come up with ideas and insights. And then there's data that just helps with marginal improvement and, and ne'er the twain shall meet, you know, just make sure they're, they're separate. All right, so let's talk about some of these different data types because uh, there's so many out there. And one of the things is when I talk with different creative directors, since they're not a data scientist, which is understandable, there's always the question of like, what data are you talking about? You know, I, I don't even understand the specifics of what type of data you're going to talk about. So I want to talk about some of those. So let's, let's start with a few of them. First, and this is, by the way, overly simplistic. Some of you may be like, nice try, Admo. I already know all this stuff, and that's totally fine. I'm just going to go through some of the things that help organize it in my brain as far as what types of data are important to look at. Because there so there's so much more out there. Like, whatever. We'll get into a lot of that. So the first category is demographic data. And this is really just basic information about the person. You know, what's their age? What's their salary? Where do they live? You know, a lot of this basic stuff that you'll probably get from, you know, if you're buying lists from third-party vendors, that's what you're going to get. You're mostly going to get demographic data. And I want to be very clear. This is not in, these are not insights. This is just the basics about the audience. And this is the stuff that, you know, early 90s, that's all we had is just what's the basic demographic data. Helpful, but not really that great. The next category is psychographic. And psychographic is a lot more important. This is where it's like, it gives a little more color of the person. It talks about their values, their attitudes, their interests, you know, what are they into, their personality. And how do we get this data? A lot of this may come from surveys where they've said, here's, you know, here's some of the, the things that I think about. It may come from CRM data. <clears throat> you know, if you're using sales team may have a conversation with a customer and they'll go plop in, you know, some demographic or some psychographic information about a customer. And, you know, there's also second party data on this as well, but it's, it's like, this is really important data to help build that profile and really understand kind of broad strokes about your customer. But again, it's not, it's not the Holy grail. It, it's again, just helping paint the picture. This last category for me is the stuff that's really critical in today's environment and it's behavioral data. And what I mean by that is it's like, think about all the intent data that we have today, whether it's social data or it's, you know, analytics on your website, or it's even predictive data, you're using AI to try and predict from your audiences what matters to them. So think about it in terms of behavioral data is the stuff that they're clicking on right now, the stuff they're responding to right now. And that's really important because it's, it's, not, it's good to know their demographics, their psychographics, what they care about and those broad strokes. But then what about right now? What are they caring about? Because they could care about shoes, but they already bought a pair and then you retarget them with an ad and then it's you know too late. So it's really understanding them in the moment right now. And when you're coming up with ideas, especially, you know, as we are, if we're feeding personalized messages to people and we're trying to make sure we're building these profiles that we can act on in real time, behavioral data is where it's at. So look for all of that, a lot of that intent data, real-time data, all of that good stuff. I want to thank Stoke for producing this podcast. They do an amazing job of getting this out to all of you. And uh, thank you for all of you for listening, whether you are coming to the webinar or listening later on the podcast. I appreciate it, and we will see you at the next episode of Real Creative Leadership with Adam Martin.